Oh dear. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Podcast with Paul. <laughs> We've got interesting insights guaranteed, and it's time to increase your emotional intelligence. Are we up for increasing our emotional intelligence, listeners? Let's have lots of joy and fun and excitement for sure. Hey, I've got some really special guests along the way. Interesting people, really challenging ideas and challenging conversations. It's going to be amazing. You can learn more about what to do, why to do what to do, and what to do about it all. (laughs) So much fun becoming self-aware, motivated, alive, learning new ways to see the world. Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast with Paul. Ah, welcome back, listeners. It's time for more of Ben Persh, the wonderful man himself. Episode 3, about to start. Thank you, listeners. Now, tell us a little bit. Now, we'll go into delve a little bit into your history because, you know, where did you come from? How did you come from? Where are you from? Now, this Persh name, you ever done any work on where Persh comes from? Is it Persh? Persh is German. German, yeah. I don't know a huge amount about my German heritage, but it's German, and I believe it used to be Porsche with the double apostrophe. And when we, when the migration, they changed it. Possibly. Um, Possibly. Yeah, the other sides of my family is English and Scottish. Mum's English and Scottish. Yes. What was her name? What was her maiden Morris. Name? Oh, she's a Morris. Yeah, right. Okay. So there you go. You you got a bit of Scottish. You know, I can I can see a bit of Scottish in you. And now your dad did he was he, was he in Australia, born in Australia? Was yes. He? Yeah. So you you really, you know, Aussie as o- Australian in, in the yeah. truth. But the Persian name doesn't quite sound as Australian maybe as some of the English origin because it comes from a German origin. We're a very small family in Australia with the Persian name. We're only in I think we're only in third generation now, maybe fourth. In mm. the Persh family name. So, for example, I played basketball down at the Lights and the team I played on Tuesday night had two Persh's in it. So oh. straight away I walk up and say, hey, you're a Persh. You know, and they're directly related to my father's father's brothers. Really? Yeah, so, so there is a there is a lineage there? Everyone in Australia that's Persh is closely aligned. Like we're all the one family tree. There's ah, nothing, interesting, nothing interesting. And... A great family. I know everyone talks about their family. My my father and his side of the family always been very close knit, and so we were the type of family that if I'm out in town at 16 through 18, and I saw my cousins out in the street, we would ditch our friends and go and party together. That was us. You know, we were just that sort of family. I think the world misses that a lot. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. So we we're always close knit. The cousins always been very close, and we always. Um, we stick together when we can. Uh, as the family's growing, everyone's having more and more kids. The actual family's starting to create quite a tree, so it's hard to keep track of everyone. You know, as I mentioned, I'd, I'd never met the people I knew at basketball until the other <laughs> night. We are a close family, and and my mother's side, my mum was an only child, so not as much family on my mum's side. And my grandfather on my mum's side, who I was weirdly. Didn't get along a whole heap because we were very much the same. But I don't know much of his history at all, which was something that's always uh, interested me. And I've gone through all the channels to try and find information. He's he's like this ghost person from England that just married my grandmother in Australia. Mm, intriguing and, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get to the bottom of it one day. And <laughs> yeah, tell us what there. You want you want to know? You, I think it might be a, a way of trying to identify yourself in in Correct. where do you all sit in all of this. And uh, it is interesting. I know 
mum's not the uh, been suffering a bit from health worries and and you know you need to deal with the fact that you're caring for your parents as they age and i know my mum's getting on my in in, in and my dad's gone, all that. But we have to face the growing of life and the growing up of ourselves and watch that we're there to care for our parents. And I know you're caring very much for your parents and, you, and you're watching out for them and making sure they're okay. But it is, it is there watching them age, isn't it? Because your mum's a very strong woman mm. and always very much energised and, and, and committed to the family and full of, it, full of all that. Mm. And you can, I've seen, I've seen mum a number of times over the, over the years and you can, see, you can see the idea that, oh, you know, they're getting older. Everyone's getting older. I'm getting older. We're all getting older. I think my mother was very, very strong. She's been a pillar of support for the family for many years. And like everyone, we've had so many ups and downs through some mental illness and through me being a rat bag. And, you know, my sister's moving away from the city at a young age. And my mum's been strong through the whole lot. She's, there's not too many, you know, that could, could probably survive through some of the things that she's gone through. So I've got nothing but absolute respect for you know, my Yeah, mom. you can always see that. You can always feel that when you, when I see you in front of your mum and when I've come to parties and when we've, we've mm. caught up together. You can see the bond that you have with mum. It's really, really beautiful. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're a close-knit family, the whole, you know. The, the problem we've got now is as we've all got older, particularly the siblings, we're all so strong-willed because we've all got quite... You like mum, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're strong willed. We're just um, <laughs> taking after mum. <laughs> I'm dad. But yeah. I'm probably the easiest one because I can just like a, in my day to day management, I can let things go and, and yeah. take them as I please. But that's okay. You know, it's just that's okay. <laughs> now um, and when you when you when you grew up, I mean you grew up uh, you were actually in North Haven very young. Mm-hmm. And you remember the first school you went to was what? North- O L V. Who? Our Lady of the Visitation. Oh, Our Lady of the Visitation. Now, did that, did that give you did that give you any sort of basis of, of how important religion and all that was in your life? Did it end up taking any to take you somewhere? No. No. Okay. <laughs> None okay, of won't go there. No. I remember just sitting a, just a quick no. Sitting on wooden pews and having a bum that I couldn't feel for three days after doing an hour mass. So I I didn't get any religion out of all. <laughs> Well, that's that's easy to explain, folks. Uh, there wasn't much religion going on, so that idea that uh, we went there. Obviously, you had a good education, mm. but the side that uh, was the religious side wasn't the prominent one that uh, influenced you. So, I can't say that you've turned out to be a saint, and I can't say also that you've turned out to be a, a priest. No, no, no. <laughs> now, I know also you have a, a, a great love for the Cooper's Pale, mm-hmm. and I have been with you, and, and people have, um, have noticed, and I've noticed, that, wow, you, you don't seem to get that, that overly, you know, you don't seem to get over that silly, but, boy, you can put down a few. And I've heard, oh, that love for that, I mean, and you've told me, look, I'm trying not to drink as much, and you, and you have, you have less, come, you were worse, like, yeah. f- five, t- for six, eight years ago, you were shocking. But... You could you loved pale ale mm. and it's like you had an obsession with pale ale and you just loved it. But I thought you'd be the best person to go to the Coobs and say, "Look, I'll be your ambassador for, for pale ale." <laughs> you know, um, and I'm happy to talk about this, even though I put across that you know I take things well. Now you still come home and it's still a relatively high level of functioning you do day to day. So coming home and having a drink was always my way to just take the edge off. Now, in that journey, I've probably ended up drinking too much, and, and I'm really trying to pull it back. Well, not trying. I, I am pulling it back. Um, yeah, and you are. I know. can't do that forever. Mm. 
it didn't affect me day to day. I wasn't an angry drunk or no, uh, no, no, I not at all. I'd barely call myself a drunk because I, I could handle it really well. Hmm. But no one wants to be known as the high functioning alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, you don't want that on your on your resume. Hi, hi, Ben, ben Persh, high five. High functioning alcohol. <laughs> no, um, particularly in the positions that. You well, know, now, you, now you're the, now you're running the show. What are you called? I'm not sure. You got your latest position. Are you, you're what big knob? Isaac. What, what are you? <laughs> I'm currently general manager of hard See? services. See, general manager. How did you get to be general manager? I couldn't even get that far. <laughs> um, I think years of service. I, I think it's not easy talking about yourself, but I think years of service and showing people that. I can hold good relationships, that I've got a level-headed mind when it comes to not only management, but also discipline. Don't get stressed over little issues that come up, you know. Just deal with the problem, you know. Don't don't worry about the stress that goes with it, deal with the problem. And I think that level-headedness has got me to a position now where, you know, the company's trusted me to take on more and more, and I've welcomed it, and I think I'm doing pretty okay. <laughs> staying, staying in control, and obviously, you know that idea that you, know, you were happy to have a drink and, and enjoy a drink at the end of the day. You th- I think that whole control mechanism is somehow you didn't allow that to take over mm. who you were. And yeah. even though there was times where you think, okay, I might have to cut that a little bit, have a rest on it, or whatever, it didn't control you. And that's addiction in all sorts of ways because you know, addiction is all over the place. But once you go to a place where it's controlling you, and you 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 know that. You need to be able to recognise when it's enough enough and then go, okay, that's enough. And mm. just to watch that we don't go to a place where it starts to be uh, something that we're dependent on. Yeah. Because as soon as that dependency be- comes in, okay, it happens in all, all ways of life and it's not just alcohol, it could be many other things that we become dependent on. But I think as, as people with individuals, we need to always absorb and observe ourselves and our behaviour and look at that behaviour and see what's helpful and unhelpful. Mm. And I've just done some recent work in that area. And I know you've you've helped me in that area because I, I ended up making a bit of a, a meditation uh, eff, a, a, a effort, an effort in meditation. Not that I, not that I also wanted to share this podcast thing with sharing with listeners and viewers and with myself and with now with the wonderful Ben. The idea of creating a podcast was to say to people, hey, you've got something to offer that I think can, that you can share with other people that is helpful. If we were in a place where we have an opportunity to share what is helpful it not only helps the person you share it with but it helps yourself and when you're helping yourself by sharing we are moving forward in a light where we're giving and not just in life for taking and the idea that you know how generosity Mm. and Mm. giving of spirit it does take a giving of spirit and i know that you spend a lot of time giving of yourself and giving in the way that you share and you've put parties on for, for you know, and you've you've put shows on, you've put beautiful shows on at the caravan park that you're at, and it's and it comes from a place of work because you're working to create a space where people enjoy themselves, mm. but in the enjoying themselves, you're enjoying yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was just talking to you about that place where I said, "Did you listen to my <laughs> my, my bullshit about the meditation on bullshit?" And he said, "Yeah, I I, I didn't." He said, "I, I couldn't get it." Yeah, but you know, I, I got on for five minutes. So I said, "I looked at my I looked." He said, "Went for five minutes." And I looked at my phone. I said, "It goes for bloody another goes for twenty eight minutes, twenty nine <laughs> minutes." I said, "I haven't got time to listen for twenty nine minutes and meditate on bullshit." And I said, "Yes, that's the whole point. No one's got the time to meditate on bullshit." I said, "It's quite funny if you do meditate on bullshit because if you go there, 
It takes it takes time to go there. He said, I haven't got time to meditate on bullshit. And that's the truth. We all haven't got time to mm. meditate on bullshit. Mm. However, he said, I, can, I can offer something around that. We often are in a trance-like state around bullshit without knowing it. Now, often we'll sit there and read the paper full of bullshit and keep reading it, and we don't really need to. Or sometimes we'll be watching television and it'll be full of bullshit, and we'll listen to it, and we'll just keep feeding ourselves the bullshit, but not aware that the bullshit is coming in. And sometimes our brains and our minds will be telling us bullshit, and we don't realise it, but the bullshit is just there. Now, the place of where often the bullshit arises is because it's from a continuous chatter of what's in the mind. And we had a little chat about that at the start. The mind chatter is the place of where, oh, you keep telling yourself or validating to yourself the things that sometimes you complain about or pissed off about or annoyed about or the things that maybe about the past that you keep reiterating over your head. And a lot of the thoughts that come into our heads, and there's thousands and thousands of thoughts that always, because the conversation we're having to ourselves is constant, we're always talking to ourselves. Sometimes to recognise that you're talking to yourself is the place of going, I can choose whether what I say to myself is helpful or unhelpful. Mm. Now, even thinking that, sometimes people who are suffering from a place of feeling a bit exhausted or depressed, and I know that you've talked to me about sometimes you get a little bit down mm. and we all get a bit down. In that place of downness, it's so interesting that some of the times that we feel down are uh, actually feelings that we repeat, but we don't recognise that we repeat them because they're repeated because it's a behaviour that we've got used to saying and we've got used to feeling and we've got used to thinking and so we repeat it. And we don't realise that it's just a, it's a repetitive pattern. But often we're thinking that way because we've learned how to and we get good at it. But sometimes people validate all sorts of reasons of why they think that way and sometimes I think people can uh, actually look to people to blame for them feeling that way. So often they look to their boss or they might look to their wife or they might look to their mother or their father, even themselves. But the, the way that people think, oh, the reason I feel the way I am is because of something or someone. And that's not really necessarily totally true because often sometimes we can say, the reason I'm thinking the way I'm thinking is because that's the way I'm thinking. And mm. as soon as you go to a place of recognising that you're responsible for your thoughts, then you say, just a minute, if I'm responsible for my thoughts... Could I think differently? And then if I were to th think that I could be, get good at thinking positively, could I actually make changes about my behaviour that are helpful? So this is, again, where you go to the place of exercise, which I know that you've gone through some lot of exercise-type programs mm. to keep yourself fit, so you off to the gym and all that. Now, if you did choose to exercise or you choose to do activity that's helpful, then that's an actual constantly consciously thought about. Mm. And I know that you've gone through some of those places where you've consciously looked after your own mental state and your physical state in a way where you recognise that it's time to start thinking differently. How have you done that? What's 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 been your catalyst? I definitely have had anxiety. Yeah, uh, I think I in today's society, almost everybody has some form of anxiety and I don't think it's a cop-out to say you've got anxiety. I think there's natural anxiety, there's anxiety, anxiety's work anxiety. I think when I first... And then there's hereditary, you know, yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Is, you know that <laughs> it's hereditary. But if you get caught up in the cycle, I got through it through learning. And my, my father taught me this. He just read every book about it. 
<laughs> about you know, what he would have. You know, he, he, he was caught in the world, um, a very difficult world. Yeah, and and once you start understanding anxiety and and I, I never had depression at all. Um, I've always had a great life, great wife, great daughter. I've never been depressed, but I do have occasional anxiety. Um, it more comes out as anxiety for you. That's, how, that's how it defines itself. Anxiety. 100%. So I just taught myself the same way my father did. He said, you know, you just got to get through it. And then once you understand, anxiety can be beaten. It's really easy. You've just got to stop the cycle. So, you know, I found, like me and I'm sure other people, every morning you'd wake up and the first thing you think about is the anxiety or something like that. But once you work hard to break that cycle by thinking of other things or making sure that you're contributing to different areas of your life to get your head out of it, it goes away. It doesn't go away overnight, but you train yourself out of it by just beating it through, breaking the cycle. Some, something that you're touching on is it is being present. And being present is some... A gentleman, Urquhart Toll, when I read the book, uh, I was still reading the book, I keep reading the book all the time. He said something like this. He said, if you feel anxious, it's because of something that you're either thinking about that happened or something that you're thinking about that's in the future that needs to happen. Because anxiety comes from a thought of needing to react to something that you haven't done or that you should do. So it's either past or future. And just to start to relieve yourself from anxiety is to be present. And sometimes we're not present because we're so anxious about what we think we should do, what we, what we, what we don't know, what we're going to get, or what we're going to face. And he, he said an example of that is we might go and have a shower in the morning, and that's repetitive. And we go there and have a shower, and... It's easy to be in the shower and think about the day's activity moving forward and the work you have to do. So you could be at work instead of being in the shower. Now, if your mind is in the shower, you're thinking of the hot water, you're thinking of the smoke, you smell the soap, you feel the hot water on your skin, you're being in presence of your body reacting to what you're doing. So you're not in the place of your mind. When you're not in the place of your mind, you're not anxious because you're in the place of your body. So when you're in the place of your body, be with your body, except that the time for you to be at work will arise, but it's not now. So then you're in a peaceful place. That's a good way of he explained to me about how to be there and how to be present. And that's the place of ah, breathing and being with your body. So I teach people when I did this meditation for 30 minutes to breathe first. So to recognize the importance of just breath, mm. because we breathe Often we breathe without knowing we're breathing because we're not going, oh, we're going to breathe. We're going to breathe now, everyone. So <laughs> recognise <laughs> that you're breathing all the time. But sometimes if you start paying focus, you leave your mind to let go and then focus on your breath. And if you just focus on your breath and breathe in like you might want to do now, everyone just breathe in. <sighs> breathe out. And just... <sighs> It's a quiet place of breathing in and breathing out. And then the mind starts to go, oh, because you've taken it away from the activity of the mind and thought about the breath, which is into the body, and then you've relieved yourself of some of the anxious thoughts that are there, and then you move on to the next. And obviously something's going to come. But if we don't let ourselves breathe, what happens is it builds, and the anxiety builds, and then we build, build. And then suddenly, when you build it to a point, it might blow up. And when you blow up and have anger and you have a... You, know, you see people in road rage or you see people in anger. When you see that, it's it's not it doesn't look reasonable and sensible and smart. When you see people blow up, 
you know that sometimes they're blowing up about something that might be not quite needing to be that much, but it's a build-up of other things that have come. And it's a build-up, and when something happens in front of them that they think, bang, they go off. Yeah, mm. Just a minute, that's not a person who's dealing with it. That's a person who's letting chaos come into their life and they're being reactive. Mm. And they're not in a place of where they're actually considered and calm and peaceful. Now, the place of being considered calm and peaceful is a different, a different place. It's a different place of looking at it from a from a point of not the chaos of the mind, but of a place of ah, breathe, and handling all that at work. The gentle, if you weren't sometimes being able to breathe your way through it and come from from a calm space and not a reactive place, you don't necessarily need to make a drama out of it to make to get something to happen. Mm. You can you can do it in a considered way. Oh, thank you, listeners. That was the end of episode three. Wasn't that interesting also? Oh, learning about the family history and uh, how Ben is and how he copes and very honest person how he speaks. And interesting talking about anxiety and stress and how we deal with it and, you know, the, the ability to the mind and how the mind works and, you know, even the importance of breathing and uh, letting things go and, you know, taking on that way of thinking that helps us cope better. Very interesting uh, episode. Wonderful. Looking forward to episode four. Thanks, everyone. That's another episode from Podcast with Paul. Special thanks, everyone. Remember to keep an eye out for our next exciting episode with more fun special guests. Find out more of what we're all about and look up the Laughter Project. Hey everyone, be happy.